Welcome to the Retail Tea Break. Each week, I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers, and product creators to decode the myths, share knowledge, and give you a better insight into the industry. My aim, as always, is to empower retailers and product creators to reach their potential. So, grab your cup of tea, sit back, relax, and listen in. My name is Melissa Moore, and this is the Retail Tea Break. Grabbing a cup of tea with me today is a lady I know really well. She's based here in the west of Ireland and is owner and founder and maker of a global skincare brand. Today, I am delighted to be joined by a dear friend, Elaine Kennedy from Hawthorne Handmade Skincare. Elaine, how are you? Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me on the uh, tea break. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm thrilled to have you here today. So, in the manner of all things tea, in the time it takes to boil a kettle, which is about two minutes, tell me a bit about you and the brand. Well, as you said in your lovely introduction, I am the maker behind Hawthorne Handmade Skincare. And from my family farm here in the heart of County Mayo, I produce a range of 100% natural skincare products. They are free from synthetic ingredients, making them ideal for anyone seeking a natural approach to skincare. And I use uh, easily recyclable containers like glass and aluminium. And I try to keep packaging to a minimum. Um, so as I said, I'm here based on my family farm. I look at one window and I see Loch Cara in the distance. The other window is the Partridge Mountains. So I'm based in a really scenic, beautiful area and it's all this rich heritage around me that inspires business oh it sounds gorgeous and it is such a beautiful part in the world we're both so lucky to live where we live here in the west of Ireland. and i know that where you live has been a huge huge inspiration which we'll talk about on today's episode but i suppose to take it back you started in retail didn't you mm-hmm. yeah that is true melissa so I, I'd actually moved to London, um, had been working in retail. I then wanted to pursue visual merchandising. So I always had a creative streak and I loved anything to do with displays, putting together windows, felt, oh, this is something I could do in London, you know, get some experience, work for a fabulous company. And I was really lucky to, uh, work with a company called Jigsaw and I started out in their shop floor in a beautiful store in Richmond and their head office was just just down the road in Kew, right beside Kew Gardens. Uh, I did visual merchandising, uh, I got work experience with them but it probably wasn't really um, what I expected and the career prospects, they weren't what I anticipated either. So I was at a little bit of a crossroads. I wasn't quite sure what to, what to do next. And I was approached by someone from head office. Would I like to apply for a job in their e-commerce team on customer service? And I knew that this was um, a great way to get into the company at the head office level. So of course I said yes. And it was one of the best things I ever did. I was able to build a relationship with everyone in the company, literally from 
um, the directors and the buyers, the pattern cutters, the garment technologists, um, even over to licensing and um, retail operations. And I crossed over quite a lot with retail operations. So I very much got to see all the different areas of the business and how they related to each other. Um, so it was a fantastic experience. I love the sound of that. And I love the fact that you've talked about being fully immersed in a retail setting. So as you say, you started off on the shop floor, but actually by the time you'd left Jigsaw, you had done all sorts in all areas of the business and you really had a full understanding for what it takes to be a retailer. So how has that then influenced what you've done as a product maker? Mm. So I realised that I didn't want to settle in London and that point I started thinking, well, you know, if I move back to the west of Ireland, I'm not going to be working for a company like Jigsaw and they had such an incredible lifestyle um, built around the business. Um, you know, we had a gym and we had our own gym instructor and things like this. And it was just, it was all amazing. And I thought, well, you know, could I come back to the West of Ireland and start creating my own business that was more about my lifestyle and my values? Um, so the product making was something that I had just started as a hobby and the very first products I made were cold processed soap, say the soap bars. And that was something I'd been doing for um, quite a few years, just as a hobby. And I was giving them to family and friends. Um, but I started to explore that a little bit more. I noticed that there was a trend for natural skincare and I was, using more of the ingredients in my own skincare routine and started to notice the difference in my skin. I have to say anyone watching this on <laughs> YouTube right now and something I've always really admired with Elaine is how <laughs> incredible incredible her skin is so look and I know as well the products work they are beautiful beautiful products but so you you started making products based on what you were using because you had seen the results. And obviously they're behind you again, if you're watching this on YouTube, behind Elaine are lots of her products. Kind of down the side there, she has the soaps, which is obviously come back to producing. How did the brand and the product range develop really from day one? As you said, you started with the soap, mm -hmm. then you moved ahead and you've come almost full circle with them and moved on again. How has that brand kind of moved on, developed, that range has expanded? What was that like for you? And how did you find that journey? Because it can be crazy of like almost <laughs> like a jump into the unknown to bring products on board, lose some, grow some more. What was that like? Yeah, it was, it's certainly a journey, that's for sure. And I very much spent a lot of time on uh, testing the market, doing research and development. Um, I initially launched with the soaps and they were received very well, but customers were looking for more. That really took me by surprise. They wanted more products. So I set about adding to the range, put quite a few products out there, again, testing the market, um, and then really piece it back to a core um, group of products um, and then when I I launched as a limited company uh, in May of 2018 I had my set um, range of products 
which were the um, face care, body care, and some hand care products. And they were very much informed by the customers, you know, was chatting to people and doing the market research, even chatting to buyers and knowing what was um, on trend and, you know, how retail was moving more towards natural products and um, handmade products. So kind of using all of those little nuggets of, of information that I was picking up from everyone, you know, they very much informed the brand and the products that I have today. But I have to tell you, I just absolutely love the making process and I love formulating new products. So for me, you know, sometimes I, I just I want to get going and I, I want to add loads more products into the range but I know I have to um, just take my time and grow the range slowly um, I will be launching some new products shortly Ooh. and <laughs> I might have an exclusive for the um, retail advisor tea break um, so I am intending to in the brand it's actually it is in progress it is happening wow. and in january we will be launching with um a fresh and fresh look uh, new look branding i like to think that it has um you know maybe matured a little bit <laughs> um so yeah it really has come full, full circle um we've kind of gone through all the different elements and really thrilled to be um Moving from Hawthorne Handmade Skincare to Hawthorne. Amazing. Yeah, Gosh. Cool. So we've gone from the soap and launching the core range kind of three years ago now. And now that you kind of you're very established, you're out there on the market with huge retailers across all sorts of online mm -hmm. platforms and obviously selling to the customer directly yourself that you're in that phase now. And this really excites me for brand. You're in the phase now where you're so established that you're almost rebranding, if I can call it that, or tidying up the branding, some may say. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Um, I suppose it is just, you know, um, I guess, you know, just bringing through a little bit more of the creativity and the storytelling side of it. Um, you know, I do feel that um, I love the story behind the brand. But maybe I haven't always put that across to customers. So with the new branding, um, there will be a little bit more of that story behind it. So it, it's just having the confidence, I guess, um, to move forward with that. And I love that. And I love the fact that a lot of this comes from your customer base. You know, you've you very clearly said that to start with when you launched the core range. It's what the customer wanted. Mm -hmm. And now, obviously, that we're moving towards changing the brand name to Hawthorne, it's what you feel the customer wants because you listen to them, because you meet them, because you speak to people. The essence of your brand, even though it's based in the West of Ireland, is the fact that you listen to your customer throughout the world, whichever products they buy, and you're adapting and changing in line with that. Yeah, absolutely, Melissa. And, you know, that really is the core to the business. Um, there's no point putting a product out there, even though you might love it. Um, but it is all about what the customer is using, what she's finding beneficial. 
um and she wants more of that so i'm more than happy to to give her those products that's amazing and what's the price so obviously your customers probably want all sorts of exciting new things from you you can't make them all you can't take them all to market talk me through the process of i suppose hearing your customers repeatedly say they want something and you deciding whether it's a realistic product to add to the range or it's something that it'd be nice to do but maybe not right now or maybe not at all <laughs> yeah and that's very true um and sometimes i would put something out there just to maybe a couple of trusted people um you know really loyal customers who i know i can uh, get their feedback before i actually move um, to putting a product on the market. So that's a really important part of it as well, is just trialing the product with the, the end user. And, you know, is it something that is going to work? Um, it doesn't always address all of the, um, uh, all of the customer's wants or needs. So, you know, you might relook at it or you might think, yes, well, it's something that we could do maybe a little bit further down the line. Um, and maybe there's something else that we can put out at the moment. And that's very much what I'm doing now. Um, I have sent out products and now I'm getting the, um, I've had the feedback back from customers and um, they very much just informed me of the products that they want to see and they want to use next. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, further down the line, we won't launch some of those other products as well. Um, but we'll definitely get the products that they want to use now into their hands. I love that. And actually, your journey is very realistic. I think a lot of people out there just, just presume that you start with the core products, you put them out there, then the automatic thing you think of next, you put out there and it works. <laughs> As you say, it's an awful lot more complicated with that. You've tested it with customers. You've mm -hmm. tested it with the retailers. Mm -hmm. And you also, by the sounds of it, need to ensure that it fits within the brand, within the core range itself, that it's not just a kind of an out there product that sits alone in a silo, but actually that your products generally work together to ensure that the customer has the best experience, both with your brand, but also with the product that they're using daily. Yeah, and you know, for me in my product range, I guess you can think about it, what products would you use in your routine? So if you're going to use cleansing oil, you want to follow that with a uh, facial mist, for example, and then you'll use either facial oil or face balm. Um, and it's also about keeping it simple as well. So often we completely overcomplicate our routines, whereas sometimes you only just need those couple of core products in your routine and then maybe you would add in some further products as you need them um so i like to think about it in terms of the routine and what order customers will be using products you know maybe there are some customers who um would like the additional product like an eye oil so that would be more so an add-on you know, something that you wouldn't need every day or indeed, um, you know, all of the time. So there are products there that customers can uh, use if they need them. Um, but I'm very much thinking, well, what are the core items that the customer needs and that she's going to make use out of? And there's no point putting lots of different 
products out there and knowing that a customer is only going to get halfway down the jar and then <laughs> they've moved on to something else. So I love that. And I love the fact that you use the word add on there. So in my head, I'm suddenly thinking, well, hang on. Elaine has a range of core products that the customer is going to use daily. But actually, Elaine's been clever enough to add in these add ons <laughs> that someone could buy as a gift that the woman that uses your products could buy herself to enhance the skincare range, even if she might, as you say, with the eye oil or maybe with one of your scrubs. She wouldn't use daily, but it's an addition to the core range that she can then go back to the retailer or go back to your own site and buy from you in addition. So suddenly we have a customer hooked on the Hawthorne Handmade Skincare brand. They're using this daily and you've been kind of savvy enough to add on these extra little products into the brand, into the range that now surround it. So suddenly the customer has this immersive experience but also by the sounds of it, the retailer has something to latch onto with the regular customers that they see all the time for your range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other side bit that I see a lot would be the gift boxes. So the user will uh, buy the gift box for friends and family and she'll recommend it. And that is a way of, you know, adding to the sales, getting new customers as well, because that personal recommendation um, that is invaluable. So I very much find that things like my skincare discovery kit, that has to be one of the, the best selling um, lines in the range because people who use the product, they're going to gift it to, you know, family and friends. And, you know, you're adding all the time to the customer base by having those kind of easy, um, accessible gifts um, and especially for the, the face care products, you know, things like the kit work incredibly well because you can try a little bit before investing in all of the products. Um, and it's a really, really nice introduction. So it's I a story that it's a really nice kind of journey that you've taken to even bring these gift boxes out. Because obviously, as we say, you started with the core range, which is sitting there behind you. But to then go on and launch the gift boxes, which was a need that the customer had, mm -hmm. that the retailer had, but also to have the foresight to say, well, hang on, my customer is the best sales pitch I'm ever going to have. <laughs> if they're then buying it for their friends, their family, they can self-gift from my website, from a retailer's website, and then say, hey, I use this. This is going to be really good for you. You use it too you've suddenly expanded your customer base and you've suddenly then got new customers coming back to you for full-size products. Yeah, exactly. Do you know, it really was one of the best, um, the best launches I had in terms of the gift boxes. We've just sold so many of them um, and they've gone all over the world as well, which is amazing. Um, so I love to see the orders coming back then and seeing them going uh, all over the globe. And it, it's brilliant when, when customers come back and place the order for the full-size product, because you know they've really enjoyed the mini size. Um, and you know, the funny thing is, <laughs> you know, I'll see people as well ordering, and it's clearly for their husband. <laughs> they might have a note in there as well. Um, and they'll buy a couple of something for the man, which I think is so funny. And I've just had that recently where I've, I've sent out quite a lot of 
many size products and they're coming back and it, it's for the husband or you know brilliant whole uh, new customer base for you there's something for the future <laughs> I love that so we've talked about the product range growing over the last three years we've obviously talked about this huge development with your branding developing I suppose coming to us soon now in January 2022 what other ways has the kind of the brand, have you, has the product range grown? I suppose, and what weren't you expecting over the last three years? Oh, <laughs> um, that's a really uh, interesting question, Melissa. Um, I, I suppose it is that support for Made Local, you know, that has been something that's come up recently that was probably a little bit unexpected. Um, Sometimes you feel that you're you're trying to ram a message down a customer's throat where you're saying, oh, we'll support your local maker. Um, whereas suddenly it's just become a huge campaign and um, we've all very much bought into it. And now it's become a mentality. So previously we were saying, oh, you know, we really should be supporting local, but actually, you know, I'm just going to buy something that's being made abroad <laughs> nicely um, put there by the way that's very very quietly put there but we know what you're talking about and we wouldn't have put any thought into it whereas now it's just become part of our mentality and even I hope part of our culture where we will seek that that made local um you know even the little signs I have up here as well and you know that's something I'm really passionate about supporting local supporting local makers and really giving people the the boost like you feel great when you know you're buying either direct from a supplier or you're buying from an mm. Irish retailer that is supporting the Irish supplier and it's it makes you feel great it makes the receiver of the gift feel great and like to know that we're supporting someone like you who's sitting in their studio in the west of Ireland that's incredibly powerful mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And um, you can very much notice it um, with the retailers as well. And some people were very on the ball, you know, they were aware of it and it was something that they were supporting. Um, so it's just great to see that the message has kind of gone through um, to all, you know, all of the, um, from online to bricks and mortar, you know, you really see how important that uh, Irish um, message has become and um, again you mentioned it Melissa you know buying from the producer and that's something as a maker I'd be very conscious of and I would often go and find the producer and I buy directly from them because I know I'm supporting them just that little bit more and um, so I think that's a great way as well um, to support our makers and our creators um so yeah it's been such a powerful message i think it's um been a very positive thing that has come out of kind of some recent events <laughs> definitely and i think for me it's starting to really feel like a movement it's not a trend now that we are supporting local whether we're buying from irish retailers in our main streets or we're buying from local producers like you we can't walk away from this. This isn't something, and I said this last year, this isn't just for Christmas. This is all year round. This has to continue. And I suppose that it would be wrong of me not to mention the other big movement. And I call it a movement because it's not a trend because unless we get behind it, it's really going to damage our society, our planet. And I suppose, look, 
sustainability it'd be wrong of me not to talk to you about it because you're so passionate about it where are your thoughts at or how can we as consumers get behind the sustainability movement Mm -hmm. even more yeah do you know Melissa it's something that really hasn't sunk in yet and I think we're we're conscious of that we're not letting it sink in we're not treating it as reality we're kind of um, brushing it under the carpet a little bit and yes we have made changes and we can see that and that's brilliant but it's not quick enough and it's not um widespread enough you know we really need to be asking more questions um as consumers as makers and as retailers you know we should really be looking a little bit deeper um for me in my business there was some very easy um decisions that really form the basis of my business. So I mentioned it previously, using things like aluminium and glass, they're infinitely recyclable. And I know a lot of people would have said to me, you know, you can use PET plastic and, you know, it's it's not as bad for the environment, but I, it's just my lifestyle choice. I have to disagree. there are other areas then in my business where you know it's taken a little bit more thought I've had to um you know go on a bit of a journey and kind of find what what works and what's most efficient and um that has been um challenging at times and now I'm making some uh, changes in um some of my ingredients and where I've sourced them and again with some of my packaging choices um, they've all things that been things that I, I've had to learn and that weren't obvious at the start. So we all just have to put a little bit more thought into our consumer habits. And as uh, consumers, you know, we do follow trends. So I very much think that uh, makers like myself and retailers you know, we can set those trends and we can set the example. And it's very much um, time that we started doing that. Absolutely. And I think it's it's really lovely. So you have a beautiful, luxurious brand, but by buying it, by supporting you, supporting local, you are doing a tiny, tiny bit for the environment and supporting the sustainability message because it's who you are as a brand owner um that you're really passionate about it so I think it's really lovely for consumers to be able to know that actually Elaine cares about this you know the materials are coming from the right place the packaging is the best it can be but also that you're really honest and say well hang on I'm on a journey here you know I'm better than I was three years ago and in three years ago it'll probably be better again and I think it's the honesty is refreshing as you said instead of brushing it under the carpet that you're really honest that it's something you love it's something that you're very knowledgeable about but actually you can help support both the retailer and the consumer on their journey too Mm -hmm. yeah I think so and you know it is a responsibility um you know we all have personal responsibility when it comes to uh, the decisions we make in our brands and in our um and what we're retailing because I consider myself a retailer as well I have an online shop and I have uh, customers who will come and collect orders from me here locally. So I do consider myself a retailer and, you know, I have to consider things like when I'm sending my orders out and, 
to the um, to the customer online what kind of boxing mm. am I using um, you won't believe this Melissa but when I'm sending out some of my orders um, they're going into boxes that people have been hoarding for me so the message went out that oh <laughs> Elaine needs boxes <laughs> So keep them. Them. Everyone in Mayo is suddenly yeah. keeping boxes yeah. for Elaine and reusing yeah. them. It's brilliant. <laughs> Please don't keep any more. I already have enough helpers. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes um, orders do go out in boxes that I've gotten from, um, you know, maybe somebody else has received an online order and they've said, oh, that would be perfect. We'll, we'll keep that one for Elaine. Um, and most of my wholesale orders, they will also go out in recycled boxes. Um, so, do you know, even things like that, you know, do we really need to be sending out fancy boxes with our orders or can we um, come up with a different solution? Fascinating. Um, I definitely think we'll be talking about this again because it's one thing that we definitely need to keep an eye on. I think as consumers, as you say, and obviously the makers themselves, it's, it's one to watch. I think this message hopefully will grow and grow and it's definitely something we will come back to but before I let you go I suppose my last question then what are the plans for Hawthorne Handmade Skincare apart from the big rebrand coming in 2022 what are the plans for the next six months and do we mention the c word oh gosh please don't <laughs> um <laughs> uh yes so for me it's going to be all about getting the orders out um, it'd be very much focused on gift boxes. I think that's going to be massive. So my plan um, is I'm going to have all my stock made for Christmas. And you can see lots of it here in the background. Anyone who's on YouTube, see all my soap bars are curing. Um, but really, I have to be honest with you, I'm, or, I'm already in January in my clock. On my calendar, I'm in January already. I'm secretly <laughs> glad to hear that. And any other product makers and retailers out there will probably be nodding and agreeing with you too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be really what I'm focusing on at the moment. And um, launching a couple of new products um, in January. There's a few other things I have up my sleeve. Watch this so, space and we yeah. will be back to you. Exactly. That would be another episode, I'm sure, in season two, maybe, of the uh, retail advisor G-Rank. You're booked, you're booked. You're good at this girl, I love this. Listen, thank you so much for chatting me to me today. It's, it's really fascinating to hear the journey that you've had, both with the brand, with the product base, and also, as you say, the kind of, the interesting addition now of these movements of shop local and sustainability and the impact it's having on you and your brand. So if you have enjoyed today's podcast, please, please, please leave us a comment. Maybe let Elaine know what your favorite product is from the brand. Please like, share and subscribe to the Retail Tea Break. Uh, I'd really appreciate any feedback, any comments. I'm certainly learning as I go with this. So until next time, we'll see you then. <laughs>